You're listening to episode number nine of the Welcome Home to the Suburbs podcast. Today, it's all about fabrics, pattern and texture and weaves and fibers, all kinds of valuable information. So here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. So on today's show, I have with me Kranz Baldwin. He is principal of Kranz Baldwin LLC, and he's been in the interior furnishing industry his entire career. He started as a department store furniture buyer in Chicago, and he's been involved in sales, sales management, product design, and general management, and as president of five companies, such as Dongia, he co-founded Bergamo Fabrics, he was president of Cowton and Tout, Dadar, and Edward Farrell Lewis Mittman. All of these companies provided art, textiles, furniture, lighting, wall coverings, and accessories. He's worked extensively in residential design, as well as with large hotels, casinos, stores, aircraft companies, and cruise ship companies, developing interior furnishing specifications. He's the past president of the Decorative Fabrics Association, the Fabric Industries Lobbying Group in Washington, D.C., and testified extensively before the Consumer Product Safety Commission. His new company brings his extensive depth of experience to both the companies he represents and for the designers that he works with. Kranz lives in Connecticut, and he maintains an office in Darien, Connecticut, to support the interior design industry. He provides both representation services of luxury interior design brands, as well as consulting services to a wide variety of companies, both domestic and international, in his chosen field of interior furnishings, both residential and commercial. So I hope you'll welcome Kranz with me today, and I really look forward to our discussion. So here we go. Hi, Kranz. It is so nice to have you here with me today. I'm so glad you joined me. Well, thanks, Jill. It's very nice to be here with you as well. It's kind of exciting. I think it's very exciting. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking that I wanted, I think speaking about fabrics in the home is a really good topic for people and understanding some things. And I feel like you are so seasoned and, you know, you've worked in the industry for so long and have such great experience with it that I thought you could be a wonderful expert today to talk about some various topics. So I'm really glad you're here. I wanted to give you the opportunity if you want to just tell a little bit about yourself and your company to start off, we could start there and then get into some of our topics. Sure. I have a company that called Kranz Baldwin LLC in Darien, Connecticut. I provide two different services. One is I represent a lot of beautiful luxury fabric lines, and the other is I provide consulting services, often for fabric or furniture companies who need a little extra help. It's in part because I've been in the industry all my life, and instead of retiring, I thought, I'd like to continue to work with interior designers who are among my favorite people, and so here I am. So cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and I know the consulting side of your business is really an interesting thing too, so that's really nice to mention. So yeah, I wanted to talk about fabrics today, and you know, obviously, being a designer for the last dozen years myself, I've seen a lot of changes. We've all seen a lot of changes in you know manufacturing, 
what types of things are now available. And I've seen a big change in, you know, there was a time when, you know, fabrics were much more precious that we used in our homes, chintzes and silks. And we still can use those things. But I noticed a really big trend with slash indoor outdoor and just outdoor being used on in family room sofas and things like that. And I think it's because lifestyles had changed so much with open floor plan with, you know, kids at home, pets at home. There wasn't so much anymore that room that was so precious, like in our grandmother's house, like you couldn't sit on the living room sofa, right? Um, So things changed a lot. And so I found that fabrics like that became very commonplace, I think mostly due to lifestyle. Do you see a trend like that staying? And I was curious what other trends you see that are out there right now, or anything emerging due to the current situation with COVID or just for any other factors, just just sort of trends in general and what you think. Thanks. Yeah, I do think that there's some, there's a lot of change going on. Frankly, right now, under we in the COVID era, I think we're going to see a lot of changes, but we're not sure what they are yet. But I would, as a general rule and a general overriding premise for my talk today with you, it is the world has gotten more complicated and fabrics have gotten more complicated and it has never been more important for a consumer to consider seriously using a good interior designer. And I don't, it's not just a pitch. I think that increasingly we want beautiful, easy care, everything that, which is great. That has been the trend and it has been a growing trend and it's in everything. It's in furniture finishes. It's in pretty much everything, but one of the things that's also happening, I think, is a counter trend is every time we all go in one direction, people start going in another direction. And I think formality is starting to creep back in. Mm-hmm. Now, it may, be, it may be performance formality, mm-hmm. but and it won't be silk, I don't think. But there seems to be gray is not quite the only paint color people are using now. And fabrics seem to be, I'd like it to be performance, but why can't it be brightly colored? Where a couple of years ago, everything was gray or beige or gray or gray. So I do think they're very serious trends. I think part of it is, and it's too soon to tell really, but I think we've all had enough in the last 120 days. We've had a chance to look at all those gray walls and all that gray fabric. And I think you're going to see a lot of changes, maybe not so much in performance, but in palette. Yeah, I was going to ask you too, like prints versus solid. Do you see some prints making comebacks? And yeah, colors change too. Color trends change for sure. So that's also a good point. I never would have thought this, but floral chintz is back. Now, it's not back on every single drapery and every pillow and every sofa. It is back as an accent. And I'm sure you know this well, but people now want, it used to be a splash of color was a red pillow. A splash of color now could be a pair of chairs or something larger, and it can be it can be multicolored and be quite dramatic. It, uh, I have a line, for instance, I represent from England that has beautifully printed velvets. Now that's something that went out in the seventies, yeah. And suddenly it is like it's back. Not again. Yeah. yeah, I know. So yes, yeah, it's it is kind of exciting to to sort of see something other than gray and beige and and pale blue and pale blue. Yeah. Yeah. And things are very cyclical. And I'm even noticing the same thing with wall coverings, you know, instead of just using a texture and a neutral, there's some amazing prints out there. I've even noticed in fashion, like with Christian Dior, you know, he's got this famous book tote, 
that was just his, you know, simple blue logo. Now there's one and it reminds me and speaking of this now, because you said chintz, it reminds me of a beautiful chintz floral. And it's one of the hotter bags that he just put out. But yeah, and it is always that kind of funny juxtaposition with fashion and home. And they do overlap. And look what Gucci's done in the last 24 months. Yeah. You know, that's pretty amazing. All that color and pattern on pattern on pattern on pattern. Yes. And fashion picks up, I mean, you know, home interior picks up on fashion and vice versa. But yeah, things creep back in and things, you know, are cyclical. But yeah, so I, I thought it was just nice to talk about maybe some current trends. So that's really good information. And, you know, having said that, and we were talking about fabrics, of course, your natural fabrics are wool and silk and linen, and they're all beautiful. And, and, you know, what people don't realize is that wool is a very durable fabric. I mean, when I took textiles in design school, you know, wool is cleanable. It's considered very durable. It's fire resistant. Yeah. And so natural fabrics have a place. And so with the trend of outdoor and man-made, I don't want people to forget that. Before I get onto the one, this, this one man-made fiber that we're going to talk about, is it fair to say, because you're saying with man-made, we have to worry about chemicals. So is anything man-made chemically treated? It almost has to be, right? Well, it, I mean, for instance, there's a lot of chemicals go into making something performance. There's a finish called Krypton that is apparently clean. And assuming that to be true, then that is that's terrific. Basically, fabric, I mean, cotton, which is probably the most popular natural yarn, absorbs things. Look at your shirt. Look at your, you know. Yeah, um, cotton's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And so anything you do to make it, to provide a barrier, you are adding something, right? We all remember, no, we don't all remember, but those of us old enough to remember, remember Scotchgard and then the complete disaster that Scotchgard was as a toxic chemical. And it was sprayed all over everybody's living rooms. Now, we've moved past that. I only like to bring this up because the consumer needs to talk to somebody when making these decisions. I'm not completely sure that a retail sales clerk knows these enough information. I am pretty sure that designers know this information. And it is tricky stuff. I mean, some of it can be very, very important that you ask these questions as a consumer, I think. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, as a designer, what I do too, like knowing that people need durability in a family room sofa, when I'm sourcing fabric for that, I'm looking at something called rub count, which you've got to be educated on. And there's variations within rub count, but I know I'm going to get only a certain level or look at a certain level to make sure I've found something durable or something. I'm not going to pick a fabric that's so fragile it needs a backing necessarily if it's an everyday sofa that little kids are on. So as a designer, yes, I take all that into consideration so that the finished piece works for the family in the manner in which they need it, you know? What you can do, I mean, densely woven fabrics are inherently durable because they're densely woven. But some of the more beautiful things, which are, you know, soft yarns and not so densely woven, and they, you know, you need someone to tell you that this is going to stretch and it needs to be back, but it is... It, its durability will be a little bit less than something that's really with a lot of yarn packed per square inch. To your point, these are all facts that professionals in the industry know. Exactly. Yeah. And there, you know, it's important so you know what to expect. And I mean, I think the other thing is with expectations with clients, it's important. And I find it in every area of the house, whether it's fresh, whether it's, you know, real marble stone for the kitchen versus fabric, people sort of want this 
surface, whether it's a wood dining table, whatever, that never gets harmed, never has patina, never gets a spill. And there's nothing that's a thousand percent unless everything is plastic that you can Windex. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's like I try to remind people, you know, wood is a natural substance. Marble is a natural substance. Yes, we can seal it. You know, the same thing, fabric, we can treat it. It's still fabric. It's not plastic, you know, so I do try to remind people because there's sort of I find it more in the United States than in Europe. In Europe, people appreciate the patina. They don't really mind it. You know, here in the United States, everybody wants things very sort of perfect and clean. And you can only achieve that so far with textiles, you know, even man-made, like you said. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you probably will have a spot from and that doesn't mean that it's a bad fabric. It just has its own its own characteristics. You, you mentioned plastic. It's funny. So people sometimes go towards faux leathers or vinyls. Vinyl is either polyurethane or polyvinyl chloride. Polyvinyl chloride produces VOCs, which are something you do not want in your ear. But on the other hand, it's certainly, you can beat it, you know, and it's going to survive. Yes, well, like on bar stools or, you know, banquettes in a breakfast nook. It's been popular. Yeah, you can wipe it down. Yeah. By the way, can I offer a a thought about the mudroom? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I know. Yeah, I am hearing (laughs) this. As we are all getting UPS and FedEx to drop off packages in, in a remote location like our garage, and then we're wiping them all down and spraying them, and waiting and then bringing them upstairs or into the living room or whatever 24 hours later or whatever routine that we have i think that the designers in the world should expand the mudroom to become almost a bio lab <laughs> because you know it, it, the mudroom now needs running water and a, a counter for we haven't washed these yet and a counter for we have washed these but we don't want to bring them up till tomorrow and and then this other shelf is this is where we keep all of our various disinfectants, because I think this is a part of our life, like it or not, that this kind of, as we are now in a really global world where things like this can happen, the home has got to reflect that. And I think that is something that, again, it's something to talk to a designer about because it, it can be done tastefully and well, but also efficiently. You know, it's, I think it's you guys I go home and we go through and if we get UPS packages, we have a, oh, here we go. Get the gloves, you know. Right, right. And and I think that's with us for a while. So I do too. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I was designers thinking, will get it. Designers can do something about that. I was thinking like we need, it's all, I would call it almost like a sanitation room, you know, yeah. like a little entry area or maybe it's a butler's pantry or I don't know. But yes, I, I think it is a way of life. You need an area now to sort of, you know clear all that, organize that, leave it, like you said, have your sanitizers. So yeah, that's something that could be a trend in homes too. You never quite know. I think it is. Yeah. 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 So going back to chemicals in, in fabrics, certainly they exist. They're around us. Is there a certain tolerance we can have for some of it? Like you and I just said, using a faux leather on a bar stool or in a mudroom? Sure. I mean, for instance, a vinyl made of polyvinyl chloride is the same chemical that all of the those plastic pipes under your sink are made from PVC. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, so yep. you've already got it in your house. One vinyl ottoman isn't going to make much of a difference. Right. The, the difference is, let's say you go to a less expensive retail store and buy yourself a big fat sofa. Yeah. That big fat sofa may well have all kinds of stuff in it that you wouldn't know about, and you don't know where it was made. Understood. Yeah. So, 
And that's an issue. The, if you go buy area rugs, big area rugs, and you have them in your living room and you love them, and have you noticed that every time you pick them up, you have to vacuum? That is the backing dissolving, which is in turn releasing VOCs because it's a spray on backing of God knows what. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah, you're talking about like, things, you know, very inexpensive these, where the where the rug usual, comes already yes, with a latex yes. back applied. I just want to clarify yeah. that for our listeners. Yes. And and I just say, so there is a, is there a tolerance? You All of this has been going on for time immemorial and without apparent, you know, effects that we, we don't see, you know, this in the news all the time. But it's just a question of uh, if you could do something about it with knowledge. If you know, if by receiving knowledge about what you're purchasing, if asking the right questions before you buy something, I think you could lead to a healthier environment overall for your home and still have it be really beautiful without also then meaning you have to break the bank. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. I just didn't want people to feel scared once you said, you know, there's a chemical in that and so they can't use it. I think that like we just discussed, there's probably a tolerance level for it. And your example was a good one of, you know, a bar stool versus like a big massive sectional. That's made that right, and, way, I, and also know? even with that, we've all been doing it for years. So it isn't this isn't something that's never happened. It's not something that is, you know, it's continuing on. I'm I'm just thinking that you know at a time when we could know we could know things that would help us make informed decisions. Yes, it's not a bad idea to at least ask questions. That's all. Yeah, knowledge is power, as they say. Yeah, so the, yeah. the man-made um, yarn or textile I wanted to speak to you about is one that when it came on the market, it was like the things and it's called viscose and it goes under other names as well. And the idea of viscose was a good one in that it was to mimic silk. So it gave you the sheen of silk and a feel of silk and it was woven into rugs, especially to give a nice shimmer, certain fabrics, it was given a nice sheen to it. And it was quite popular when it first came into the market, I think. I don't know what you think, but when it first came in, it was kind of like the thing, right? And then it was out for a while and people noticed that the thing about, here's the thing about Visco, water is its enemy. So forget about spilling food or stains. Yeah, I mean, forget it. But the minute anything liquid hits it, it just, it just dies on you. So I will no longer buy, for example, a carpet that has any viscose because it's almost impossible to clean it. If anything spills, if a a pet in the house has an accident, all kinds of various things. And with fabrics, it depends. I mean, if they're, you know, sham, Euro shams for a master bedroom and you want a little bit of sheen and it's a low, but you have to, again, it's about educating the client. So if a client likes that particular fabric, I will say this has, you know, five, 10, whatever percent viscose or a, a material like it that behaves like it. And so here's the downside to that. A rug, I just won't touch. Certainly, if it's a family room sofa, you're not going to put something with viscose in it. At least I wouldn't. It also crushes. But yeah, so viscose has, it came in really hot, as they say, and it's really going out, right? Well, not in Europe. In Europe, they know all this, but they love it because it gives you that silky look. And that's why European fabric companies don't understand why Americans don't appreciate it. But that ties into our not wanting any patina or aging at all. Right. The one, so viscose used to be called rayon. And viscose sometimes is called, I think, bamboo silk. But bamboo it, silk. Yes, and was, I've seen art silk. Yes. Yeah. As a misnomer. Yeah. And yeah. it was created to give you less expensive, silky look. The thing to note, viscose does two things. When it gets wet, it stops refracting light. Mm-hmm. 
And that means that, therefore, it's no longer going to look silky. It's just going to look drab. And by looking drab, it looks like is now a stain. Right. And it also can change color and or lose color. So it goes sort of a gray, light gray color. So what happens is the maid cleans it. And that makes it way worse. Yep. <laughs> so what I like to tell designers is viscose vertical. First of all, don't ever buy viscose on a pile fabric. Or a rug. Viscose as a pile means the yarns have to stand up straight and reflect light. And when they get wet, they stop doing that. But, but viscose as a tight weave is, is probably mostly okay, you know, because it's not trying to reflect light. But viscose vertical is the best thing. I think just viscose makes magnificent drapes, magnificent, you know, windows, mag- things like that. It's fabulous. It's because they're not going to get wet. Just to clarify for the listeners, yeah. when you say vertical, you mean on a window in a drapery or perhaps right, a shade. Right. Yes. I just and want it to looks clarify fantastic that, yes. and it's and go for it. Or even throw pillows in viscose are fine because they're not where you're you're not actually sitting on them. Right. If they're decorative. My great sort of vision of, of bad things happen is someone comes back from a really big day of tennis and they instead of changing, they flop down on the sofa. Yeah all sweaty. Well, that's it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've had that. I was, I was upholstering chairs for a customer and she said, no, we have to consider my husband comes in from tennis. He, she said just that all sweaty and plops down on this thing. So I need to consider the fabric because of that. I mean, no, it's a real concern. So yeah, these things make a difference because you know, it's an investment. And if you get the wrong fabric and it quickly gets ruined by one person coming in from tennis and sitting on it, you know, you're going to feel very frustrated. So yes, having knowledge is really important about all of these things. This is all on the internet. You can look it all up, but it, yep. it will, I'm sorry I interrupted, but what, no, it, okay. what it also can do is it reinforces, if you go way back in history, there's nothing wrong with natural fiber. No, I know. I mean, see, I grew up in the antique business and I grew up in a house with new things and old things. And I grew up where patina was very appreciated. In fact, especially in the antique world, you wanted original patina because that showed its authenticity and you never wanted to get rid of that. That would, in fact, decrease value. But yeah, so everyone's tolerance is different for it. Patina can be considered beautiful. Like a worn, if you think of like a worn leather chair, that has a lot of charm and character. But so many times people want things just so perfect, not a scratch on it, not a this, but like a worn leather chair, you can even see those old ones from France. I mean, they're so cool, you know, but again, it has to be for the right person. But yeah, I think it is less tolerated here in the, in the States for sure. That it is, of. it is very much so. And it is unique to us as a country yeah. and it's not good or bad. It just is, it's a fact, but I do think it's changing. I really do think people are realizing that having been stuck in their homes, that there's nothing wrong with actually living in your home. Right. And having things look live, having them look lived in doesn't mean they look messy or bad. No, I don't no. think they do. You know? You're right. And I think that's I think there'll be a little more tolerance for this. But equally, I think there's also going to be apparently there's a real movement for people buying country real estate fast right now. Yes. Yes. And I think mm-hmm. you're going to see some a whole change in what how that real estate is furnished. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, that's another trend. I think you're going to open plan may well give way to walls with doors and space like the man cave becomes the mom and dad space. Yeah. 
Right. And then, you know, you're right. Like people, because the more of us that are home together, we're going to need that separation more. You know, it's a really valid, excellent point and something to definitely talk about. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great point. The other buzzword that we were hearing it a bit before this, but now that COVID's hit, like I'm even hearing it from my stone companies is microbial. And I believe in fabrics, they offer microbial. And that's a big thing right now because people think, well, that's going to keep the germs away. First of all, I don't really know that it does. I, especially germs with COVID, we don't even know exactly where that stands. One day they say you can get germs from a flat surface. Other days they don't think. But microbial in fabrics, what does it really mean? The term antimicrobial. Antimicrobial, so excuse me. Was, yeah, I, it was something that came out of healthcare. Yeah. Where it seemed like, a, and this answer may take me a second to explain, but I did a lot of work in healthcare. And Everything became antimicrobial in the patient's room. The vinyl laminate was antimicrobial, and the paint was antimicrobial, and the the furniture finishes were antimicrobial, and the fabrics were antimicrobial, until they realized that if if antimicrobial is, I mean, Purell is an antimicrobial, yeah, right? It, yeah. it kills microbes, and if you have an entire room full of of things that kill microbes. There could be too many of them in that room, which nobody, it doesn't matter if somebody's going to be in the room for two days. It might matter if they're going to be in the room for six months. Living there, yes. Yeah, living mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. there's been a whole adjustment in healthcare to what, how much of that is a good thing. It is a good thing, but how much of it is a good thing? And I think that antimicrobials need to be understood that a little bit's fine. It is not something we, by and large, need in our home fa- our home furnishings. It is enough, I think, to have all those bottles of Purell lying around, if you can get Purell. Yeah, exactly. Do you think antimicrobial has a better application then, or might be better for commercial offices and then maybe even senior living spaces versus residential home spaces? Well, commercial offices, sure, because it's... It's a short period of time people are there. I mean, antimicrobial is a pesticide, right, basically. So I don't think it's something we want heavily in our environments, you know, but it is a very valid, especially nowadays, it's a very valid thing. All all those spray bottles we have that have 99% bleach and kill everything on, you know, all that is is this world, but it's saving our lives right now. So it's a great thing. It's just something to be, again, I I don't mean to harp on this, but it's very important for the consumer now to to work to gain knowledge about the chemicals that they're putting into their environment. That's, I think, if I say it too many times, I apologize. It's not dangerous at all. It's just something where a, a lot of knowledge is a good, good thing. Well, it's like anything else you want to balance it. And like, so when you just spoke about antimicrobial, then it probably wouldn't be the best application when I, for example, when I'm making up a sectional sofa for a family room, we need, you know, about 40 yards of fabric. If that was all antimicrobial and people are on it every day, maybe that's not the best thing. And I'm bringing it up because it's a quite a buzzword. And I think it's a buzzword that makes people feel safe right now. But like you just said, it has to be the correct application. There are natural and safe solutions to this problem, for sure. There are. I'm not. I don't. Can't you know tell you the brand names and that, but there definitely are clean natural alternatives to solving the same problem. And again, it's just a question of knowledge, which I confess I don't have. 
Okay. Yeah. No, I just wanted to bring it up. So, I mean, there is some toxicity, you know, involved with antimicrobial. So, yeah, I got it. So we touched on this a little bit, but the topic of buying upholstered items from a big box store, I think you meant you were talking about like a sofa that was made out of, I think, a faux leather. But, you know, fabrics that you get from a big box store and construction of the sofa from a big box store, there are some compromises potentially, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I had the, the I had the opportunity to run two nice upholstered furniture companies and then as a consultant work on turning another one around. Yeah. And so as a, you know, we we did a lot of comparisons of what was available and where it was being sold. One of the things that retail is retailers have got that all that rent to pay. Yeah. And that to I mean a designer has a tiny office, a retailer has a gigantic showroom. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with it. It's easy because then you get to see what see it and look at it and sit in it. And, but sure. generally, they are using fabrics that they get to mark up a whole lot so that they can make up for the fact that the sofa they can't mark up a whole lot because it's already expensive. So, you, when, at least from a fabric standpoint, if you can buy your own fabric, it's often a, you get a better fabric. But they're not that fond of you doing that. So they're going to be, we want you to use one of all of these beautiful fabrics. Well, that's fine. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. but there is a reason for that. The other thing is if you, you should, everybody should understand that every sofa or chair looks great in a showroom or online. They all look great. If you have a chance, go in the store and find out because I've torn apart sofas that where the curve, the beautiful roll arm is nothing more than two pieces of plywood at 90 degree angles with cardboard wrapped around them in a circle versus the the care that would go into making a, you know, more expensive piece of furniture. It's neither one is good or bad. It's just, again, it is, uh, remember that everything looks great in the showroom. Everything looks great online, but do your homework. I, I often think that you will get, and I, I'm sorry for being a broken record about pitching interior designers, but, but that's my business. I think you'll get a much better product often from a designer who can, know, knowing your budget, will combine fabric and furniture and give you something that overall is more what you want. Now, I've bought plenty of things for myself in, uh, in stores, and it's been great. The service was great. Everything was fine. But I don't expect them to last as long as something that, say, I bought from you where we'd really worked on it and it was something that was specially made for me. And I give you, I'll give you a specific example. We're, my wife and I are moving from a house of 35 years to a smaller house now in Connecticut. We just tossed out a pair of sofas that were very expensive, beautiful pieces. Oddly enough, Jacqueline or Larson used to have furniture. It's a name people have forgotten now, but they're 35 years old and they, are, they look brand new. The fabric looks brand new, and it's it's a natural wool fabric, and and we're, we're we're just sick of them, so we're tossing them. But but that says something, I think, about when you buy real quality. Well, and as a designer too, listen, you have budgets and everything, but where you put your money, and I always felt like you put the money into a bones of a room, so like a sofa, you want your sofa to last a long time. You want the bones and the frame of it to be sturdy and comfortable, and have an experience like you had where. The thing's 35 years old. If you still like the style, you probably could still use it. It might be a style issue or now that you're downsizing, you don't have the room for it. And that's different. 
But yeah, it's really important to, you know, in your, what I call your investment pieces. And that's why too, like sometimes with these stores, I understand the sort of tempt to buy the room that you see on the page in the catalog. But then there's something about missing that curated and layered look, you know? And so if you have the custom sofa, yes, if you get your coffee table from Serene and Lily, which I did in my living room, but it's curated with some Schumacher fabric and a vintage console and uh, photography that's framed and a piece of artwork. And so it's all got to kind of have this layered layered look. But yes, going back to construction and fabric, the other thing with fabric is, you know, it seems like there's a million choices. And I can't tell you nine times out of 10, it's never the right choice for the customer. Like it's just not the right fabric. So the thing about using the designer is you end up getting the frame, but then you really get the fabric that you want as well. So it's, you know, you get the whole thing. Also, uh, working with the designer is where you get a layered interior. And and one of the things that I I wish I could remember the exact quote, but a gentleman was quoted in the New York Times saying that he had just done his whole living room expressing his true individuality at a big box store until it occurred to him there are probably another 10,000 people expressing their exact same individuality and having the exact same living room. Yeah, right. And I think that one of the fun things about interior design but it, and is that, A, let it take time. Let it be the piece you found in Maine, coupled with the piece you found visiting Santa Monica, cu- coupled with that thing you inherited. I mean, and let a dessert designer curate that for you. Because to me, a, an interior is not just six pieces of furniture and a rug. It is a reflection of all of the facets of the things you love most about your life. Yep, it's true. And each piece, instead of rushing to finish it so you can have people over for dinner, take your time and, you know, over a period of time with with help from a designer, you know, a lot in the beginning and then as needed, you know, going forward, you end up with every, when you walk into the room, it brings you joy because each piece means something. Yeah. And I think that when... This is a little off topic, but sort of on topic. When I started in this business, what I learned from some really big name designers was that you hired an interior designer and you got you got an education in history, in proportion, in scale, in color, in art, in texture, in fiber, in wood, in furniture periods, in in architecture. Oh, and you also got a house. And that that's, I think that's now missing, but it's available. The good designers can give the consumer not just a house, but an, an entire cultural education that is, it's invaluable, That I guess. And I think that's, but I will tell you, I think it's something that's coming back. Yes. Well, it's an investment. It's not an expense. And it's like anything else. Like there's so many professionals we turn to, to so many areas in our lives. And why wouldn't you for something of this magnitude and of this importance, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think to sum it up for people that to me, I think, as we mentioned, having knowledge, doing your research about fiber, what's in them, whether it be chemicals, asking the questions. So having good information, I think would be probably one of the bigger takeaways. Would you agree? Absolutely. Just wherever you get it, at least give some thought to before you purchase. Yes. And if you can be guided by a pro, 
someone who is knowledgeable and understands it, such as an interior designer, that will really help your education as well. And certainly take time, as Kranz mentioned, to even use Google. There is a lot of information on the internet about some of these things that we spoke about. So again, just educating yourself on the various you know, fabrics that are out there and not just giving into a buzzword, learning what does that buzzword mean for my home? You know what I mean? Very well put. Very, very yeah. well put. Right. But in general, the thing about fabrics that I'd want to close with on a, on a great note is that textiles to me, when I'm designing, I sometimes can have one swatch of a textile and it can inspire me for a whole room and have fun with them and get things that feel good. If it's something you're sitting, if it's a family room sofa, make sure it feels soft when you're laying on it. Don't get something that feels scratchy. Have it feel good. Have it be comfortable. Have it a color that makes you happy. Throw some prints on it in pillows that you love. Go for it. Like if you're too afraid to be bold on one big piece of furniture, do it on small pieces of furniture like benches or big pillows or floor pillows or ottomans. But The thing about fabric is it can be so fun. And I get really, really inspired by textile, whether it's textured, whether it's pattern. I mean, I I love a boucle. I love a tweed. And yet I love geometric prints and color. So really have fun with it and let it express you. What do you think, Kranz? You're completely right. I I sit in a room filled with thousands of textiles. And occasionally I look at them and try and figure out how did somebody think this design up? Who would have put these colors together and yet it's beautiful? I also, and I realized that, you know, textiles are something where you, part of the reaction should be emotional. Yes. Fabrics are something people fall in love with. And I think people, let yourself fall in love because some of the fabrics that companies are creating today, forget the technical stuff, forget all that other thing. They're just beautiful. And why not, in a time like this, why not have beauty? You know, really, why not? There are, that is the one thing. Manufacturers, I will say, there are so many amazing choices. There really are. And people have been really creative. So yes, and like you said, if there's any time, now's the time to have those things. And the things that feel good, I mean, you probably know, every time you come into my office to show me a fabric line, what's the first thing I do? I touch it and I rub it. It's like, what does this feel like on my skin? I sometimes put it up to my cheek, right? I'm like, how does this feel if we lay on it? And that's a really important factor. So yes, I hope we gave people some good tips and some good clues today as to what to look for and to most of all have some fun and express yourself with fabric in your home. So I appreciate it. What I want to do now, Kranz, is you can let people know basically any website or social media platforms as well as you have a physical location here in Connecticut and why don't you tell people where they can find you? I work with interior designers only and I'm on the core I'm in Darien, Connecticut, above a store called Furniture of Darien Upholstery, excuse me. I have a uh, an Instagram site at, at Kranz lower slash Baldwin and a website at kranzbaldwinllc.com. And I'm here and I work, you know, all day long with interior designers on people's homes trying to find really the right thing. And the other thing I do, aside from my consulting career, is we also, I work on private aircraft and commercial projects, which is, that's a real, that's a lot of fun. I, country clubs, things like that are a lot of fun. Very cool. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you came today. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed today's discussion. And I really wanted to have Kranz on because he is so versed in his field. He has such 
depth of experience in the field, and I thought he was a great person to talk to. I think two of the bigger takeaways are to definitely you know, do your research. I think with so many new things emerging in the marketplace that are amazing, fabric manufacturers are doing so many great things. Just do the research for yourself to know what you're comfortable with and what functions best for your family. Certainly having any information or guidance from a pro will even add to that knowledge for you and add to the guidance that is correct for your family. And most important, as I said at the end, have fun with it. Fabric should be fun. Fabric's amazing. Having texture, having things that are woven, having color, bringing in great pattern, having things that feel soft where you sit. It all really adds to your living environment. And it's a creative thing. It's a happy thing. And in the end, it provides you with comfort, which is what we really all need in our homes right now. To celebrate the launch of this show, I am going to be giving away some great prizes to four lucky winners. One winner is going to get a pair of AirPod Pros, and the other three winners are going to get a $100 gift card to either Serena and Lily, Restoration Hardware, or Amazon.com. You get to choose. So three lucky listeners who subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes will receive these. It doesn't have to be a five-star review, although I sure hope you do love this show, I want your feedback so I can create an awesome show that provides tons of value to you. So visit jillcalmaninteriors.com slash podcast launch to learn more about the contest and how to enter. I'll be announcing the winners on the show in an upcoming episode. From my home to yours, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.